Andrew, why are you so sad? Well, Trip, I've got an Android phone, and I don't know how to find my favorite podcasts on it. Well, did you know that the Podcast Republic app can serve all of your podcast needs in one convenient location? All of them? How does it work? Well, you find the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store, you download it to your device, and then you mark all your favorite podcasts as your favorites. Like dissecting the 80s? Exactly like that. And then every time they update, the episodes zip right to your phone. Wow, how convenient. That's right, the Podcast Republic app for Android devices. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me is a man who... Coca-Cola, Skittles, Gatorade, McDonald's! Whoa, that was weird. It's just like all these things subtly slipped into our podcast. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. So weird how that just like naturally came up in conversation without... So organic. (laughs) We are here to discuss the commercial for McDonald's and Coca-Cola that came out in 1988 as a full-length feature film, Mac and Me. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your cold, refreshing Coke. Something's gotta be done about your cold, refreshing Coke. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. <laughs> you fucking stole my bit at the top of the show, and I was like, <laughs> I, you did it, and I was like, no! <laughs> I saw your face go crestfallen, and I was like, I thought that was a good bit. And then I was like, oh, I bet that was what he was going to do. Uh, we don't talk about our bits in, the vi- in advance, folks. We try to keep them <laughs> fresh so the reactions are genuine. There, you just got some genuine reaction. Um, can, I, can I start this by saying I actually did a bunch of research while watching this movie because it is 100 minutes long, it's, and it is insane. It's about 40 minutes too long. This should be a direct-to-video, buy-it-with-your-happy-meal movie. Yep. Yep. But can I talk to you about how someone at Thrillist, which is like barely a publication on the internet, yeah, had the balls to write that this movie is subtle in its product placement, which is the shittiest sentence that has ever been written you know in the entire universe. I took a tally of the Coke and McDonald's product placement. I made a tally. I normally wouldn't do this, but I'm going to do this. His name is Matt Patches, and this sentence genuinely appeared in an article that he wrote for Thrillist, published in April of 2017, and the sentence is, I'm going to read it right out of the article here. You won't find gratuitous product shots in Mac and Me. Director Lewis claims he wanted a scene set in McDonald's only because, for the kids of that era, going to McDonald's was the ultimate treat, which is not wrong. McDonald's was probably pretty exciting in 1988. I know it still was when I was five. This person wrote a sentence that says, Raphael and Lewis, the producer and director, were careful about product placement. You won't find gratuitous product shots in Mac and Me. What version of this movie was that person watching? (laughs) What are you talking about? It's just the director using a pseudonym. This movie is a straight-up advertisement. It is a 100-minute advertisement, and it's not even a very good one. There are 12 cans of coke 12 instances of coke product placement in this movie 
and five for McDonald's, one of which is a 10-minute scene in a McDonald's with Ronald McDonald. And a complete dance number. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Because I have thoughts about that. So this (laughs) movie... This movie starts with some weird alien creatures on a planet that is not specified. A bunch of butthole mouth aliens using bendy straws to drink from their planet surface. And I know we talk about logic issues in this, in this show a lot, but like, where did these bendy straws appear from? Couldn't tell you. I just, so many of my and notes like, are about... were these aliens part of a civilization? Uh, this movie doesn't tell you anything about them, so they don't endear no. you in any way. They're terrifying to look at. At least six of my notes were complaining about the alien's design. And their stupid butthole mouth. They're genuinely terrifying looking. And the tallest one, who I think is supposed to be the dad of the family, has this insane way of walking that is, like, clearly the person in the suit can't see. And also they're being told to, like, move, uh, like, violently while they're walking. And so he does this, like, weird sachet at the hips while his feet are kind of duck footed and it just like everything about it is crazy also, why is he naked it's deeply uncomfortable i don't know and they're at like a ken doll yes it is it is and it's weird because many other aliens are naked and don't make me feel uncomfortable but i think it's the skin tone of this being like so close to a caucasian person that you're like oh that's a naked yeah. thing and instead of like et yeah and like that movie paul which i don't know if you ever saw but is quite fun mm-hmm. that alien i think is gray or green and paul is naked but it's weird but this has like a skin tone so close to a white person that it's like oh it's it's a naked well, thing like i shouldn't e. be looking at this somebody it covered doesn't up look humanoid et looks like you held right. some silly putty in a pinch and let it like pool up on a surface right these right. looked like people and the quote unquote mom alien wears a little dress thing and I was like, why yes. can't he get a little Tarzan mo- like moment happening? Because I don't want to look at this weird Ken doll bump for an hour and 40 minutes. Although, conversely, at the end of the movie, when all of the aliens are wearing people clothes, it's also unsettling. <laughs> so I, there had to be, you needed to put specific alien clothes on the aliens. Because I was like, weird, really weirded out when they all got human clothes they on. They needed metallic jumpsuits. Yes. That, that would have been yes, they did. so much better. It would have. It would have been a big improvement. So this is like a legendary bad movie that I had never seen before we did it for the show, but I've always wanted to check it out. And I really think that this is one of those bad movies that has to be watched with a group of people so you can do what we do on this show, like in the room live together. Mm -hmm. Because it was such a slog by myself. It was torturous. I was like, oh, this isn't bad. And then I looked and I was like, oh, there's half an hour left in this McDonald's commercial? (laughs) I did my first one of those 38 minutes into the movie. And I was like, oh, this is probably close to over. Oh, my God. I have an hour. (laughs) I have a full hour left. It's not a fun parade. So this U.S. landing module lands on this alien planet, and it's taking rock samples and stuff. Again, the movie never tells you what planet you're on or if it's the moon or whatever. And then accidentally with a vacuum sucks up the Mac and Me's. So you get some real, cho- like, primo CGI uh, aliens getting sucked up into a little tube. And I always, like, am thrown off when I see CG in, like, 80s movies. I genuinely thought this was hand animated. Oh, you think so? I-, I have no idea, and I tried to look up the answer, and surprise- not surprisingly, Shocking not existent. there's no information about this movie. But the thing that bothers me about this is I have no idea what this planet is. I have no idea if it's the moon or if it's a planet or if it's whatever. 
And then the movie takes no ever effort to explain what or it is. Or why they are, you know, what they're looking for on the planet. Like, there's no nefariousness about it. Right. It, it was an accident. Like, it's supposed to be an accident. But then, like, I'm left wondering, we only ever see the Mac and Me's, the four of them. Like, are there more Macs? Are there more Mac and Me's? Is there a whole civilization? I just, I'm so confused. Can we also, like, so later in the movie, the kid, uh, the main kid, Eric... Turns to his brother and goes, it's a Mac. And his brother goes, a what? And he goes, mysterious. The acronym goes, is so it's bad. It's a mysterious alien creature. And I was like, hey, kid, not a real acronym. You can't just, you can't just say things and expect everybody to, to, to know what you're talking about. Also, the director in the interview that I was quoting from before said, it was just a coincidence. If that is a coincidence, it is the worst coincidence in the history of yeah. cinema. Like, Mac? Really? Come on. So they get to the Earth Research Laboratory and they, like, shoot them out of the machine. Also, the Macs have, like, a weird electrical power that is never fully identified or so, explained. Uh, fun fact. You're familiar with the film E.T., little-known alien movie. You, you might have heard yeah. of it. Uh, would you say that E.T. has powers and abilities? Sure. Uh, because, fun fact, the people who wrote this movie... Do not feel that way. <laughs> what did so they say? He said, hang on, where is it? Uh, I keep losing this quote. The crew aimed to distinguish the film from E.T. by having Mac be a member of a family. E.T. is part of a class, so whatever. But also E.T. has like a whole family yeah. trying to get him. And having powers and skills. It's like they didn't even They're watch like, the movie. E.T., I seen the poster once. <laughs> also, th there was a quote uh, that I saw somewhere in doing the research that said Kathleen Kennedy from mm -hmm. Lucasfilm saw that she was involved with E.T. as well as Lucasfilm saw this movie and was like, yeah, it's fine. And the director was like, phew. But like what he didn't understand is like she was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Your garbage movie is not going to infringe upon our movie that made a half a billion dollars in 1983. <laughs> you dumb jamoke. I also love the, again, No, nothing is ever defined or explained, and this is definitely a joke because they think little kids will laugh at it. Mac burns a hole in a fence and then gets sucked backward by some mysterious force. Yeah, what force. happens there? No idea. It's like a giant vacuum tries to haul him in and doesn't quite catch him, and then Mac gets smeared across the hood of this windshield like he's silly putty, and he's just like <laughs> thrown over there. At which point he causes like a ten car pileup, and at one, and so that also includes someone being like, "Get a fire extinguisher." Who has a fire extinguisher in their car? Also, race car yeah. drivers, literally only and race then car drivers. Like, they they open a car door, like a passenger door. There's no fire. No one is hurt. And he goes, and they go, "Oh, I got one," and they just start indiscriminately spraying fire extinguisher into this car. <laughs> It's really good. I thought that was hilarious. It's so weird. It's also a pretty sick car stunt. It goes like maybe 10, 12 feet in the air and lands like nose first in another car, which I yeah, thought looked awesome. really dope. Uh, and then there's a, a point where one of the characters, I don't know if it's Eric or his brother or the mom, I forget which, is like, is anyone hurt? And someone says, nothing serious, just a car accident. And I'm like, that car got launched in the air like a missile. Like, that is not, not nothing serious. What are you saying? Yeah, people, this is, this is like borderline final destination. Yes, it is. Someone would have pieces of car rammed into their yeah. torso. 
But it's uh, Christine Ebersole, who I greatly enjoy. I don't know if you know anything of Christine Ebersole. Uh, I know Christine Ebersole, obviously, from Richie Rich, where she played the, the oh, mother of Richie right. Rich. Which I threw on. It's on HBO right now. And I threw it on the other day as just like, a, I just need some background noise. I'll put on this movie for mm-hmm. my childhood. In the first five minutes, this is only relevant because we're doing Mac and Me. In the first five minutes of Richie Rich, it's revealed that Richie Rich, as like a aren't I the coolest kid ever, has his own McDonald's in oh, his that's room. Right. One, one Richie Rich should weigh six hundred pounds because that is like the fattest fat kid thing. And as a former former fat kid, I know like that is the dream. But also, he would be too obese to walk. And. <laughs> Two, could you even imagine the smell of a McDonald's 10 feet from where you laid your head at night? Could you even imagine? That seems like such an awful idea. So what goes on here? Well, we grill meat for this child and fry French fries and occasionally a filet of fish when he's feeling frisky. A couple times a year, there's a McRib in the mix. And uh, yeah, this is just like how we do it. Do you think... Now we're just like getting into... The logistics of a McDonald's. So, is someone's jo- someone is employed by McDonald's to be here twenty four seven? You think? By the logic of the movie, there are employees of presumably the rich family who work the Richie Rich bedroom McDonald's as their full time job. I'm guessing it's more like an eight to eight or a nine to six kind of ballpark. But one, the Richie Rich parents have no issues with their son being able to snack on some uh, whatevers at any time of day. And two, they pay people to facilitate this anytime, any day, anywhere yeah. snackage. As opposed to the chef that they hire who could also just make this kid a shitty hamburger should he so desire it. There's an additional employee of the Rich family whose job it is is to sling hamburgers. I mean, hey. I, I just couldn't get over it. Anyway, that's another dumb, bad movie that has I mean, McDonald's if I could have forcefully like wedged a, into a, it. A Thrasher's or a Five Guys French fry in, like, in-house for me, I'd be down with that. Well, one, I think you're better off with a bag of frozen French fries and a small fry later. I think you could make this dream come true with, like, a $35 investment at a Target. But secondly, Five Guys French fries? I like Five Guys French fries a lot. Don't you like a crispy fry? Well, no, because to me, that's like to me, a Five Guys is like a Boardwalk fry. I I I think the ideal French fry for me is Boardwalk style, but is crispy. Mm, I I I get down with both, uh, but it has to be like Boardwalk is the only kind of like soggy fry I'm into, and like for crispy fries, I like a good diner coated fry. I'm all right with that. I I stopped going to Five Guys because I would be like. I would like you to fry my French fries until they're nearly dead. Until you're like, this is too hard and too crisp. That's what I want. I literally said that to a cashier. I was like, I want you to put, fry them until they're dead. Like, did they do and it? And she laughed and I was like, no, they were soggy. And I was disappointed and I never have gone back. And I was like, I want you to do extra, extra, extra crispy. I want you to be like, this is too crispy. And then put them and back in. Five guys shot, your, shot our parents in an alley. That's the way... That's the <laughs> they did. They it. did. There was a strand of pearls broken, and now Stupid at nighttime, I'm like, pearls. I am the one who burns. I am the one who deep fries. And I, instead of not killing bad guys, I exclusively deep fry oh, them. Oh, God. Good Lord. I, it's really dark. It's a very it's dark, a dark origin night, story. You might say. And I, I ship these fried carcasses to each of the five guys, and I'm like, Swear to me, you'll follow customer instructions. <laughs> Swear to me. Swear to me. 
And that's how I became Fat Man, because I ate a lot of French fries. And now fries. we're full circle, and I'm really into this, this spec script we're writing. And Kevin Smith is copyright infringing left and right. He's like, that's my <laughs> podcast! He has a podcast called Fat Man on Batman. I'm uh, not making fun of Kevin Smith's weight. He has recently lost a bunch of weight, looked great. So glad you didn't die of a heart attack, woo. Kevin Smith. Uh, Max steals a Coca-Cola, and it's the first instance that we see that he has gotten a taste of this sweet, sweet nectar and is never going to let go. And so it, I feel like... Here's the thing. You have to do a lot of work as a, an audience member to this movie, which is not what you want to say as an audience member. Um, no. I feel like we were supposed to get that Coca-Cola is basically what his home planet's undersurface is. Yes. Like, that's what we were supposed to get. Movie did literally nothing to explain that. This is just speculation. But that's equally horrifying. Especially because they're so thin. You would think if your planet was, like, sugary sweet. Right, but then the existential horror of it becomes Coca-Cola is a product stolen from beneath the surface of an alien planet. It's like Slurm from from Futurama, where it's like, it's actually the product of a weird creature that you're drinking. That's not what I got out of it. I got. I just meant like, oh, it happens to be like, like I feel like that happens a lot in space in shitty space movies where it's like, oh, you have that on your planet, we have this on our planet. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right. I also like that this van that they have, which is clearly like a um, uh, accessible van for the, the Eric character's mm-hmm. wheelchair, has literal vertical blinds in it, like from a house. I feel like I've seen that in vans before, though. Am I crazy? I feel like I've seen vans with a shade that goes up and down, but I've never seen one that had, like, vertical blinds. Or is that, I, I keep wanting to say vertical blinds, but horizontal they're not. Blinds. They're horizontal blinds. Like, yeah, uh, vertical blinds is like on a sliding yeah. glass door, I guess. I've seen, I've definitely seen vans with, like, uh, blinds that go pull up and down. Aren't they usually, like, cloth? Like, it's one solid piece of cloth that might be ripped. Oh, that's but probably this right. this is, like... There's a point where Mac, like, puts his fingers through and looks through the hole that he's created like you do in the blinds of your house when you're trying to see, like, who's walking up the front porch. <laughs> this movie is really bad, guys. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easily in contention for the worst yeah. movie we've ever watched. Um, also, because they all look like, their faces all look like butts with buttholes, they communicate by whistling. And so Mac does a lot of, like, wolf whistling in this movie. And it's very weird. It's also not just a whistle. They, like, put their hands together. And don't do this while you're driving, please. But they put the heels of their hands together in sort of, like, a V-shape. Like, almost if you were to make a heart with your hands but not do the curl over for the heart part just to, like, awkwardly cup them. And I guess that's how they, like, boost the signal, maybe? I, I don't know. The movie doesn't explain it, so that's not something that I tried to infer. <laughs> right. Uh, so they're moving to a new house. Um and Christine Ebersole was also on SNL for like a season oh, or two, she? by the way. I didn't know I that. Should, yeah. And in, in the eighties when Lauren wasn't there. So, uh, sort of a downtime for the show, but she was, she was on the show and I know she did a lot of the yeah, Broadway she's big on the Broadway. Yeah. So she's moving across the country for a new job. A la the karate kid, although it's not specified what her job is. Or and we hope that, that she makes moved cross country. Really? We just know they were moving. I just hope that she makes better choices about her career than Mrs. Karate Kid did because Mrs. Karate Kid gave up a lucrative career in computing to be a diner waitress, which in hindsight did not work out well she, for her. Well, Christine Ebersole moved to work at a Sears. Like, it doesn't feel like a job that you would be like relocate for and have like, this giant kick-ass house. 
Although, again, I have a 2018 perspective of what jobs and money and houses are. So maybe in the 80s, it was way easier. Well, I'm also wondering if it's an 80s thing wherein, like, people did have to move across the country to get a Sears-type job. Like, we obviously weren't alive then, so it could be like that. Like, it was a recession-related thing. Anyway, they're moving into this house, and there's a little girl outside who's, like, sitting in front of a teepee who says she's communicating with the Earth spirits. A plot line that never comes back, and a joke that isn't funny, which, uh, you know, there's a nice yeah, two for right punch. And then they walk into the house, and they put down a box of Gatorade, which must have been owned by Coca-Cola at the time. Because, I... oh my god, they, it is like... They, like, put this Gatorade logo, like, in front of the camera and almost to the point of, like, reaching toward the camera with it, and then they put it down on the table. And I was like, come on! It's, like, a plain cardboard box would be fine. It's a moving box. I would even not care if it had U-Haul on the side of it, because at least it's a logical box to be... You know what I mean? Like, at least that's yeah. logical product Although, placement. Although, to be fair, when I moved one of my box, at least one of my boxes had was, like... A very specific random beer on it that I think we got from Gig or I got from you. I have a ton of boxes with labels on them too, but it, when you're making a movie, like I just feel like it's completely uncalculated, and yeah, that's, that's weird. Fair. Like they grabbed a box from Craft Services or something. So the older brother unpacks a box of sporting supplies, which includes the front wheel of a bicycle unattached to anything else. And also, for reasons unknown to the universe, while he's unpacking this, he's wearing a boxing glove. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if that is script, props, actor, or director to blame. You know what I mean? Like, it could be anybody. Yeah, or or some combination yeah. thereof. The the younger brother, Eric, is has an, a nice pack of Skittles. Ding! On his lap. Yes. Uh, properly yes. propped up so as to show the Skittles logo to the audience. Yes. And they do like a tour of the house with the mother where she is like, hey, I found a perfect home for for you because the Eric is in a wheelchair and it's like all the windows are low, the counters are low, there's no stairs. And it is kind of this like nice moment. Um, I actually think she and this kid have like a decent connection. Like it obviously doesn't feel like an actual mother and child, but yeah. they actually have a little bit of a connection. I think it doesn't like they both do a pretty good job with that. Yeah. I think, I think he's the little kid is generally a pretty good actor in this movie. Yeah, I agree. So while he's eating these Skittles, Mac makes his television work while it's not plugged in via some sort of magic. Yeah. His, his, a uh, weird electricity magic. It's kind of nebulous and, uh, uns- unspecified. So he's Mac is like creeping around the house as, the family is setting up their house and they're, you know, unpacking boxes and putting clothes away and all that crap you have to do when you move. And Mac is just like creeping around and then he sneaks outside and Eric is like, knows this creature is in here or something is in here. And he's like trying to find him. He heard his shower was running and then saw a body print in the steam on his mirror. And there were wet footprints and a broken lamp that led outside. And so he's trying to investigate and like see what it is. And he can't find him, but he, like, sees his new neighbor, and he's talking to her, and she's like, yeah, I saw him. And he's like, well, it's my brother. And it's like, well, that that's a real horrifying universe you just created there. Are you, in fact, Leatherface? <laughs> well, the, the to me, the best part is when they're going to, when he's like, it's time for bed, and Christine Ebersole's tucking him in, and he's like, 
there was something in, in here. And she was like, maybe it was just one of the neighborhood kids. You know, I'm sure there's some logical explanation. And I was like, if you're that casual about a neighborhood kid breaking into your house and starting your shower and breaking a lamp and leaving wet footprints, like, you shouldn't, you, you should go buy real estate in a real sketchy place. Like, don't, don't, don't waste real yeah. estate in a, fi- in, a, in a safe neighborhood if you don't care about that. Right. I also think that she thinks the kid is insane a little bit, which is an interesting subplot for the movie if you uh, oh, lean into that. I like that. that idea. So Mac sneaks into their house that night, and he sets up all of their furniture, but it's like just he brings in sand and weird plants, and he puts stuff in weird places, and he breaks things. He turns things, it into like and the mom- a natural science museum diorama. Yes, that is exactly, exactly and, right. And there's no explanation. Like, there, he doesn't see, you know, if, you know, Eric, the little kid, was like, oh, look at my, you know, nature diorama of what the Native American people looked like. Or he saw it over at the weird little girl's house who was trying to pretend to be Native American. Like, there's no connection for why he would do this. Right, right. Also, the mom comes downstairs, sees, like, the hellscape that her house has become, and she starts, like, lighting into Eric who is in a wheelchair and is she's like, there's literally no possible way for the character of Eric to have caused literally this none. There's things, uh, even if he wasn't wheelchair bound, he's still a child and there's stuff like glued to the right. ceiling or something. Right. Like there is no, unless he got the brother in it and they work together, there is no possible way this character can complete this. And still she's like, giving him endless crap about it. And I was like, you are being the dumbest character in motion picture history right now. And we've seen a lot of them. Yeah. So the part that I knew this movie from is the part that I imagine a lot of people know this movie from, which is the scene where Eric gets launched off a cliff in his Mm -hmm. wheelchair. Paul Rudd brings this on Conan every time he goes on Conan uh, to do an interview. Instead of like bringing a clip from the actual movie, they just play this clip, which I think is a nice dumb bit. Um, so I'd seen this clip a bunch. I was expecting this to be like very close to the end of the movie. And instead it's like how Mac and the kid meet each other, which is yeah, kind of wild. So, cause I was like, Oh, it's happening now. Okay. I feel like we've talked about this in the podcast maybe once before. And I apologize if that's the case. So I'll try to do this quickly. And if I'm totally wrong, then I guess, uh, y'all can Google this, but there's a, th- uh, theme in Hollywood called Save the Cat, which is a screenwriting book that is basically the formula for every blockbuster of the last 15 years. And in that, you need to see the main character do something heroic in the first 15 minutes of the movie. To, they need to save the proverbial cat to build a rapport with the audience. And you can you can see this in a lot of blockbusters, and, and it's one of those things that I kind of giggle about now. Uh, clever people like Key and Peele wrote a whole movie about saving a cat, which is almost assuredly a response to this type of writing, I think. But this is like the save the cat moment for uh, Mac, where he like dives in to save the kid because he needs to be the hero of this picture. Except Mac can't speak, so he's just making weird whistles for a whole movie. Yeah, Mac can't speak. Uh, he's not been named Mac yet. I just, it's it's so bad. At least E.T. spoke, y'all. Like, Right. I'm try- it's like they saw the trailer for E.T. And they were like, we could probably make that movie. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happens. They apparently started shooting without a script, which is why it's like so ridiculously derivative. What do you shoot? Well, they, they had hired a crew and they were just paying people to sit around and do nothing. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. 
So he gets examined by a doctor because, again, this character fell off a cliff. And I don't want to gloss over, when they throw the body off the cliff, it is a very good dummy shot. Oh, yeah. But they, they have this doctor come in to examine Eric, and he, like, talks to him for a minute. And then he's like, hey, can we can we speak alone? And I was like, oh, he's going to ask if this is, like, abuse-related. Yeah. And instead, instead he goes... Uh, so my, uh, your mother tells me that you were seeing some little aliens, huh? And he's like, yeah. And he talks about them. And then the doctor goes, well, I'm going to give you a sedative. Cause I think that's what's causing your problem. Yeah. I was like, what uh, doc? So the little girl from next door comes in to visit him and like talk to him a little bit. And they introduce this plot of like, oh, we shouldn't get him invited to so-and-so's party. And so they're introducing the fact that they're going to go to a mcdonald's like they talk excitedly about the fact that it takes place is going to take place at a yeah. mcdonald's and i'm trying to remember i i don't know that i ever had a birthday like went to a birthday party in a mcdonald's i definitely did i definitely remember like mom, mom and like mom would take me on a play date in, to a mcdonald's but i don't remember like full birthday parties and i definitely went to a birthday party so they mentioned like going to this party and it's like, stop by for a Big Mac. And then later, again, specifically mentioned the Big Mac as a product. And like, one, that is not a food for children. Two, stop yeah, I it. I was not eating Big Macs as a kid. Like, I mean, I might have graduated the Big Mac ahead of the curve because, again, <laughs> fat kid. But like, a child should not eat no, a Big Mac. No, 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 no. It was all over once I had that special sauce. I was like, I can never go back to a I kid's know, meal. That Thousand Island, man. So Mac is wandering around the house at like three o'clock in the morning drinking a Coca-Cola, which is like definitely an allegory for alcoholism. I yeah, feel well, like also um, Eric has been setting up traps using open cups of Coke and straws throughout the house. So Eric gets the neighbor girl to help him and they suck Mac up with a vacuum. Why? Like, why is it's I don't know. So dumb. Yeah. Like, how about a net or a, 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 a cage or an anything else? Yes. Sucking him up with a vacuum is bizarre, and then Mac somehow transmutes again and just gets, like, literally, like, into the vacuum. I, I, it's so stupid and unclear, and I hate it. So they, they go, all right, we're gonna reverse the vacuum and spit him back out, and they do, and obviously, as you might imagine, it's not super great for a living creature to get sucked up by a vacuum, and they revive him with some nice, cold, refreshing Coca-Cola. And I like that Eric was like, I'm going to put straws in all these open cups of Coca-Cola, which, like, th- why would you have done that unless you knew he had butthole mouth? <laughs> it really is. I know you people out there might not have seen this and are thinking, like, he's exaggerating. It really does look like a butthole. He's it got puffy disturbing cheeks disturbing to look, that at. look like butt cheeks, and his mouth is a butthole. You know what they look like? What? You know what they look like? You know those old school stress squeezers that are oh, like an alien? Yeah. It's sort of like a pit, a, a bowling pin shape, and you squeeze it, and like the mouth and eyes and everything like blurge out. It's like that, but made into the most horrifying Halloween mask you can imagine. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's, it is so gross. Oh, yeah. Deeply horrifying. And like, well, and then later in the movie, the kids start being like, he looks upset. He looks depressed. And I was like, he doesn't have facial articulation. He looks the effing same. Right. It can open and close its eyes, and that is about it. The ears can wiggle a little, and that is pretty much the extent of what this, this puppet can do. So Mac cleans the house and, like, sets it back to normal. Meanwhile, the rest of the aliens are just, like, dying in a desert, and they keep cutting to these aliens dying in the desert, which is, like, one, their planet was desert-like, so I don't understand what's happening here. 
And two, they keep showing the like whistle communications, but not indicating whether the aliens know that Mac is okay and out there and they're trying to get to him or vice versa. It's just like a, literally a two or three minute scene of a person in a bad alien costume and then like and nothing I else happening. subtitles for the aliens. Yes. Like if you're thank you. just going like, to communicate through whistling, which is a sound I know, like I know of. Tell me what it means. Yeah, I just, I got no time for it. I wrote, I seriously hate this movie. That was a note that I wrote. (laughs) Well, cut to my second favorite scene in the whole movie after the cliff jump is Mac driving a Power Wheels Jeep and getting chased by dogs. Yeah, and like, so he's chasing after Christine Ebersole and Eric for some reason, but he also gets spotted by the neighbor girl and her mom. Which then turns it into Mac is running away and Christine Ebersole and the kid are like looking for them. And they cut in this like so delicious 80s power ballad It nonsense. hits you in the face like a metal baseball bat. And they're like Christine Ebersole's like jogging. The kid in the wheelchair is riding along with her, keeping pace. And it's just this like, you know, and it's just what in the hell is happening in the this movie? The song is called... Take me, parentheses, I'll follow you, by Bobby Caldwell. Can't imagine Mr. Caldwell had too many hits, but this is atrocious. Although I would say, if you were looking to be like, hey, I don't understand what the 80s are. Can you show it to me in 35 seconds of music? It would be this, this would song be a good, overcut good with. Because you w- if, if I showed someone this clip, they would be like, oh, like what, what, like what did I miss? And I was like, you didn't. Yeah, no, this movie is not even a collection of disjointed scenes. It's just things that happen arbitrarily. Yeah, it's a weird collection of skits. So Mac gets another Coca-Cola and he's like still not feeling well. And they're coming to take the neighbor's mother is coming to take the neighbor girl and Eric to the party at the McDonald's. And Mac can't be left alone. So he's like, I got it. I'm going to take this Clark the Cubs bear costume I have, hollow it out. And put him inside it. And at which point he puts him on his lap and is rolling out to the car. Mac is just like squirming around on his lap. And the mother is like, huh, that's weird. He still carries a teddy bear. It's like, lady, this is a human being in a suit or a dog in a suit or a something. Like, but something this, is wrong here. That's not the weird part here. It's just, it's so bad, guys. Oh, it is. It is so unbelievably bad. They put him in the back seat and Mac won't stop moving. And so the mother's like... Have you had this bear long? He's like, oh, my whole life. And she's like, does it move? And he's like, yeah, it's one of those new bears. And she's like, you literally just said you had it your whole life. And he's like, oh, I meant new microchips. And the mom's just like, okay. (laughs) She does practically like an 80s sitcom, hands on the hips, head tilt. Oh, you. So, but this is also where the government agents are looking for Mac. And so they they show up right. and they're like, Christine Ebersole, did you see anything suspicious last night? And she's like, no, not at all. And she's like, hey, I have to, hey, older brother, take me to work. And then Eric, don't forget the birthday present when you go to McDonald's for that party at McDonald's where there's Big Macs and McDonald's and Ronald McDonald. And then the agents get back to their car and they're like, he's definitely here. Send the agents. And I was like, how did you know that? Because they got one look at the weird bear creature. No, and they like, surely that's an yet. alien. It's literally, oh, okay. like, before any of that happens, they, like, decide Mac is actually there. It's so weird. So this sequence starts with a group of people breakdancing in a parking lot, and then it moves into the McDonald's, and it's just, like, this insane over-the-top dance number. 
with like Mac at one point flies and then is like on the counter doing like a very slow two-step kind of thing. And there's a bunch of guys dressed in football uniforms that look like Washington football uniforms, but I think it's just the McDonald's say, it's colors. Like weird. For some reason, there's McDonald's football players. But here's the part that really bugs me this about part? this. Go ahead. Yes, specifically. It's a whole song and dance number, right? And the kid who's the main character of this movie is in a wheelchair. So, like, obviously, it is more difficult for people in a wheelchair to participate in a dance sequence. It's not impossible, certainly, but just more difficult. And so what this movie does, instead of, like, figuring out a way to get this kid involved in the dance sequence or at least, like, prominently displayed on the side, like, clapping along, enjoying himself... He's, like, awkwardly weaving through the dance. And, like, one, the kid looks, like, out of his depth in trying to navigate this fairly dangerous thing to do for a person in a wheelchair. And, two, it just makes this kid look, like, very sad and lonely. I just don't understand the point of it. And so this is, like, so there's this entire extended dance sequence that takes place in the McDonald's. And... I have to like give credit where credit is due. The the dancers are really good, and the choreography is kind of awesome. So if this were a musical, I would be like, oh, this is great. This is really cool. But this isn't a musical, so it makes no sense. Yeah, it could easily have been set up by like, and now to entertain everybody for Erica's birthday, it's the McDonald's crew, and they come running out and do their Prices song. Like, it's, it's like one line vary. of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I feel like it's a very simple solution, and instead it's just stupid. Well, they also seem to have rented out the entire McDonald's and brought a DJ. Yeah, I did not have a DJ at the McDonald's birthday party I went to. But you did get a whole back room to yourself. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a party room. Oh. Because that one also had a fun uh, play zone, or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was The the party room was attached to the Mm, play zone. Okay. Also, I do want to say, the people who are watching this dance number are, like, really into it. And, like... There's very few circumstances in which a public dance number breaks out and I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying this. And I'm not like, oh, my God, I just want to eat my burger. Like, I just I'm literally eating alone in a McDonald's. I just want to eat in sad, peaceful (laughs) silence. What are you doing to me? Here's the thing, though. As a performer, I fully have gotten the note like during the dance break, guys, everyone just lean in and clap and like bounce along and be super into it and give some vocalizations. That's the, my least favorite note as a performer is is do vocalizations during the dance break. Because what do you do? Right, right, because no one would ever do that. And no one would no, ever do that. Never. People people would at best look at it indifferently. Have you ever watched one of those videos? Uh, what's that group called? Improv Everywhere? Where it's like, sometimes it's like, oh, we're all riding the subway in our underwear. Like three quarters of the people are just like, I just want to go to work. Like, I don't even want to look at this. Like, I just, they will, like, turn and stare out the window of a subway car where just, like, darkness is flashing by just so they don't have to be involved in this moment. Like, people do not want to be involved in your moment. I get it as a note at a performer and stuff, but it always drives me bananas in these movies where people are like, oh, yeah, clap and smile, clap and smile. It's like, no, you would, like, literally do anything you could to not be part of this. Also, this, like, 10-year-old has this many friends or, like, does this, like, yeah. dance squad... Well, you invite the whole class. But also, like, does this dance squad and football player ensemble, like, come with your party rental package? I, maybe. That's, like, a, this McDonald's has a bonus of, like, you get to rent the, McDa- the McDonald's breakdance crew. But the uh, police officers come in and see the teddy bear dancing on the counter next to the four happy, definitely well-paid, and happy-to-be-there McDonald's employees. And they're like, there it is! And 
Eric's big brother just like immediately loses his cool and he's like leave him alone he hasn't done anything wrong and I was like hey bud like we're pretending it's a toy let's make it let's just let's just keep going with the toy thing see what happens well I also like that the FBI crew like gets there and tries to barge in and the dancers like surround them in a threatening two-step dance manner and they're like stomp stomp shimmy shimmy stomp stomp shimmy shimmy and they like pen them in around their car to like create some room for them to get away and I don't know why the dancers are so involved in helping these people get away but they are the coolest crew of dancers that has ever existed that like as soon as they saw cops they were like oh no not in our watch stomp stomp shimmy stomp stomp shimmy definitely a kid in a bear costume need to get away yeah like we're gonna we're gonna provide some cover like all right good on you so eric rolls away with mac on his lap and then they eventually like he managed it must be Mac's super electrical power or something but he manages to like wheel himself hard enough to grab the back of a truck and sketch on it and then they go into a mall and they're like zigging and zagging through this mall and then they go into a tv store and mac makes all the tvs explode well, they go to the sears and then the cops and get um Eric's mom, but also don't bother to stop. Oh, and wait I missed for her. that. Okay, I missed. I missed them trying to yeah, get her. Yeah, because he okay. he he like is like I'm gonna wheelchair all the way from McDonald's to Sears, and he does, and he's like, th- go, like roaring through the Sears, screaming for his mom, and she has to like run down and up escalator to try and get to him. So then he blows up all these TVs and then they get outside and the brother and the neighbor kid are like driving along in a minivan and the brother is like furiously wheelchairing and they open the side of the van and just like yank him up into it. And I thought like, oh, they're going to pull the kid up in the wheelchair. No, no, no. Wheelchair too. He he first, he first he gets back. Then he lifts the wheelchair. This kid is like a professional bodybuilder. (laughs) Well, no, because the brother had done that early. He got he he lifted the wheelchair and the kid out of the van onto the ground earlier in the movie. Oh, but he, yeah, he also, I guess he also does wasn't it I just, going. I don't know. I want to say fifteen right. miles an hour, but I, I think it's faster than that. And like he's also manages to he's like in the in the car and doesn't manage to fall out as he puts all of his body weight over and then lifts it up. That's like a really complicated maneuver that he pulls off with also, very little. Also, a ten-year-old was going thirty miles an hour minimum. Yeah, no, for sure. He and uh, What's-Her-Face from Jurassic World was running in heels next to him, being like, hey, how you doing, kid? Exactly, exactly. So they get away, and enough to do, like, a stop and regroup, and they have, like, a very quick discussion among the four of them, like, oh, should we help Mac? Should we not help Mac? And it's like, you already have committed to helping Mac. I don't know why we're discussing this. Like, if he needs to be driven across the country, you're driving across the country. The The older neighbor girl is like how do we know like why do we do we ask why they're looking for him maybe he's dangerous maybe he has some kind of disease and the kids like he doesn't have a disease and i was like we don't we don't let's not rule anything out yet <laughs> yeah he could definitely have space like, blindness or someone something from like one he could have a thing of our planet went to a different continent of our planet they infected everyone on the new continent he is from a different planet there's no way he doesn't right. have, like, space flu. Exactly. And space flu is going to be devastating to oh, humans. Oh, yeah. Because there's nothing in our immune system for it. My other real treasured moment of this sequence is they start driving and they come across a wind farm. I think it is less believable to have your movie characters in 1988 encounter a full-blown wind farm than it is to find the actual <laughs> alien. <laughs> and, of course, the teenagers are in love now. Well, of course. I was like, I don't care. Like, you can cut so much out of this stupid movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's 
so much time dedicated to each of these dumb subplots that like if you cut all the extraneous stuff out, you're left with like maybe 27 minutes of movie. Yeah, it definitely should could have should have um been trimmed down. But that's the thing is like I don't it's not like oh, we could just trim this one bit here or there. This whole movie is extraneous subplots. Like the whole thing. It's all there's no main plot to be had. Once you start cutting, there's nothing no, left. No, I definitely think there is. There I I there were scenes that I was like this could have been cut. This should have been cut. Why was why is this here? Why am I looking at this? Yes, it's every other scene. But like if you even if you just kept like oh it's Mac and he finds the family and then they even they even keep in the McDonald's sequence but then being like oh we have to go find Mac's family and then cut out the part where they question whether or not they should and just cut to directly getting the family. Yeah, you're right. That'd be an improvement for sure. Because they get to the family and it, because these aliens are designed like hot garbage on a summer's day, they all look like horrifyingly dead. Right. Like, like lifeless bodies. Their eyes aren't, don't fully close, so their eyes are still kind of open, and they're just lying there. Right, and they, they've discovered all these bodies in a cave, which they came upon through some sort of nonsense magic. Yes. That, like, Mac held his hands up or whatever. But they go into this cave, and they're just, like, basically these corpses, and the kids are like, oh, I got it. Let's just pour ice-cold Coca-Cola down their gullets, and this manages to be the saver, saving grace of the day. Yeah, I was like, how did we... Guys, how do we get this? How do we do... Like, how are, we, how are they using straws without being conscious? Right. I was actually just having an interesting conversation with people about, like, things that we think are, like, totally fine and normal now, that, like, in two decades or three decades, people are going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. And one of the things that came up was, like, how abundantly everybody just drinks soda, like regular soda diet soda whatever and i just like i i i I don't know this i'm not a scientist but like i think there's a very real possibility that like future generations are gonna make you guys just drank like gallons of fizzy sugar water like that was just a thing and there was like weird flavors and colorings in it and nobody was like yeah this is a problem it's like yeah glug 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 and i drink soda i don't drink as much as i used to but i still drink some soda but all I can think of watching this movie is, like, it's going to be the poster child for, like, how dumb we were about soda. Yeah, like, right. Literally, Coca-Cola is the hero of this movie. So the family gets in the car, and they're they're kind of restored, and they start showing off all these weird powers that the, the Mac family has, which is, like, the dad ties a tire iron in a knot, and then the little girl starts, like, screaming at them, playing Simon Says for no reason. This should have been cut. It adds oh, for sure. literally nothing to the movie. It... it uh, it's just there for padding the runtime. Which is already egregiously yeah, hour and 40 is offensive. Yeah, this needs to be done in 86 minutes tops. Mm. If, if you, I don't want you breaking 90 minutes, buddy. No, no. So they try to figure out what to do. They go to this gas station. They're like, all right, we got to we gotta get them some soda. And the aliens are parked next to this woman who's sitting in her car with her you know, friend. They're like teenagers in a convertible. And the woman looks over at these aliens, and she is completely unfazed by the looks of them, which are, like, genuinely horrifying, not humanoid. You would not look at this and be like, oh, uh, that's a person who's been disfigured by a fire or, you know, some horrible accident. You'd be like, well, that's a thing that doesn't exist that on this planet, I'm pretty now. sure. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, oh, hi, waves at him. And then the alien does their, like, we didn't talk about it before, but they can magically extend their arms when they need to grab they a soda. Do it way too much. And he punches, he punches through the window of his car, the glass shatters, and he reaches out and takes her soda, at which point then she starts losing her mind. 
Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, I wrote, they are way too aggressive with that arm stretch thing. Yeah. So this leads to them running out of this, like, you know, quick, quick stop place with some soda to try to find the aliens who have bounced out of the car and are in a grocery store, just like drinking. Also, the display in this store is like single cans of Coke stacked up, which has never been a thing in a grocery store I've ever seen. The 12 pack, sure, but I've never seen just like a couple hundred loose cans of soda. But they're like drinking and the security guard does the most American thing possible, which is to pull a gun on a person who might have stolen three dollars worth of product. Yeah, full on like guns a blazing. And even when all the, ki- the kids are like, hey, like don't sh- they don't understand you. Don't shoot them. They still lose their mind. Yeah. Uh, the Mac, the father Mac ends up stealing the gun the and then that becomes Mac? like a whole thing. Oh, God, I was going to and then I didn't. I should have. <laughs> <sighs> so he the alien gets the gun and then there's like this whole big like standoff with the police which gets crazier and crazier as they like keep threatening to shoot these aliens and it's like they're not doing anything destructive they stole some soda like their list of crimes thus far is being weird looking and two stealing some soda yeah. and so they go outside and they like the police come in and manhandle the kids away from these aliens like yes. aggressive, like too, like cool your jets, buddy. I understand you think you're a big time cool cop, but like calm down. Right, like way, way, way too much force is being used. They're in this just situation. four butthole mouth aliens who are naked. Like just let them, let right. them take the soda, let them walk away. Right, it's just some soda. Like come on. If this movie was made today, it'd be like Lacroix and Chipotle would, would be the two sponsors. Yeah. Well, then the aliens would get food poisoning from Chipotle, and it would all be over. Is that a thing? Yeah, Chipotle has a food poisoning outbreak, like, every three months now. Oh, I, I haven't like. heard that. Hmm. They just had another one. Like, today, the day before we recorded this, they oh, had God. another one. Uh, so it ends with the, fam- the alien family walking back to the van for some reason as the police scream at them and wave their guns. And then Eric fully gets shot, and they try and hide it, but he fully gets shot. Well... Well, okay, so in the American version of it, Eric goes, like, running toward the aliens, there's a bunch of gunshots, and then an explosion, and then it looks like the explosion kind of gets Eric. But in the original cut of this movie, and the one that's available, I think, in Japan, uh, it just got leaked online literally this week. It's the first time we've ever done a movie for this show, and, like, actual news from its release has come out. Mm -hmm. But there is a scene you can watch online in which these cops fully shoot this wheelchair-bound child, like, boom, 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 and he slumps over dead. Like, in this one, it kind of looks like it's the cop's fault, but it's not directly the cop's fault. In the alternate version, the cops murder this child. Which, like, hey, maybe this is, I guess this is kind of, like, the time for that that edit to come out. Right, right. And they have this little child's lifeless body, and they go over there, and someone looks up, like, very solemnly and is like, he's he's gone. This is a crazy thing to be in this movie. Like, I know it's supposed to make the aliens the heroes, but like, holy and shit. Stupid they McDonald's murdered a child. Commercial. You're way too quick to like, pronounce him I think, dead. <laughs> are you the medical examiner? Are you authorized to make this he's, call? Police he's chief? He's the coroner from Munchkinland who just looks at him and is like, hey, he's dead. Here's a certificate. Bye. <laughs> so this leads to a whole bunch of explosions that the Mac family just like walks through to come over to Eric's body to do their yeah, magic. So when on they, him. when but they, they just... when he, Eric gets shot, they explode. The shots make the car they were in explode in like a fiery explosion. And it just happens to keep running. 
yeah, it's like it continually blows up, and they do like the cool hero walking away from the explosions thing, but they walk like through the fire and is completely unfazed yeah, by it's, it. So that it's just so that they can like surround him and lift him in the air and bring him back down and bring him back to life. Yeah, it's a very odd like floaty effect that they do. It's very silly. And then smash cut to they are uh, American citizens. Yeah, that whole courthouse thing is like the craziest direction this could possibly have gone. Yeah, it's and they're they're all wearing the suits like you said, and they're terrifying. And here's the thing: if aliens came to Earth and were being made citizens of the United States, they would not be having it done at the same ceremony from like every other person. And I think like it's fine, like it's great that people become citizens of this country and all this stuff, but like. It's not just, like, a casual thing that these four aliens get sworn in to be U.S. citizens. For one thing, they can't talk, so I don't know how they're taking the oath. For another thing, they definitely can't read English, so I don't know how they're taking the citizenship test. But even to take the logic out of it, this would be, like, they'd be sworn in by the president himself. It would be the biggest deal in the universe. Literally. (laughs) Literally, it would be the biggest deal in the universe. Instead, it's like... A bunch of these weird aliens wearing human clothes, and then everybody starts kissing them. I'm like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be kissing aliens. There's too many space flus out there. This is a bad yeah, idea. Too, too many. And then they drive away in a in a pink convertible that I kind of enjoy. Yeah, no, it's a it's an awesome car. And they Mac blows a bubblegum bubble, which Eric pops, and then the car pulls onto the highway, and a bubble like floats out of it from the back seat, and it says. We'll be back, which, LOL, no, except I would like to read a second part of this Thrillist article with all of you, uh, and that is from uh, the director. Mm -hmm. Lewis believes there's a future for Mac and me, and it has nothing to do with millions of YouTube views or Paul Rudd's devotion to the movie's outsider art potential. The producer maintains there's genuine interest in Mac and Me because the video sales made the movie profitable for Orion and that the second coming of the not-quite-E.T. alien would connect with today's kids. Yeah, that's what the the Wikipedia article says. That He says he opined that Mac would resonate with modern young moviegoers. In right, what which, universe? No, it would not. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what, what he's talking about. I don't, I don't, I don't have any Why idea. is this, why is the dance scene in the movie? Well, why not? Quote, when I make a movie, I don't want to just make a movie, <laughs> says Lewis. I want to make the movie revenues, the video revenues. I want to do a book. I want to do a soundtrack, soundtrack. That's why it was in there. End quote. Right. Like he is, he, this, this douche nozzle sounds like the literal embodiment of the 80s businessman guy from Futurama. He most certainly does. Yeah, I, I just, he's, it's just terrible. This is like, I, I think Parasite 3D is worse only because it's also made incompetently. Mm-hmm. But I really, like, this is, this is the worst competently made movie I, we've done to, by To me, something, something that is competently made is more offensive because you should know better. Yeah, like, we've mentioned this a hundred times probably, but like, there's so many people involved that have to approve things and go through, and like... More than one person saw this creature alien and was like, oh, no, this is fine. This is definitely what we're going to make our whole movie around. Lewis says he had offers from big studios like Paramount and MGM after test audiences rated the movie more favorably than Tootsie. Excuse me? 
Yeah, I don't buy it. Not in, for a second. Like, were your test audiences two year olds? Yeah, I, I, I cannot, I cannot buy that being true in in any any stretch of the it's imagination. It's competition. Oh my god, I didn't realize the time period. This this movie's competition was Die Hard and Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Big. Yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, no, it was not a good time to be this bad movie. So anyway, we both would definitely not recommend Mac and Me. I don't think I can even recommend this as like a drink, get drunk with your friends and make fun of it. It's really not fun at all to me. It's 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 not yeah it's not fun it's not silly and enjoyable it's just bad and long. I mean I found it on YouTube so if you watch it at like two x speed you can get through it in probably like an hour a little under an hour so maybe try that. Yeah I don't even think I'd recommend that. I think you should watch the McDonald's sequence. I think you should watch the kid jumping off the cliff. And I think if you can find the part where the kid gets killed at the end that's probably like the three things I would say are worth your time with this movie. I. I just want to know, like, so is this is this R.J. Lewis guy just, like, a, a psycho man? I mean, I think sometimes it's hard for people to separate themselves from something they worked really hard on, and, like, it sucks to fail, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, that's, never a, that's never a pleasant thing. And so I think there's, like, particularly in the wake of The Room, where Tommy Wiseau, like, was devastated by what happened and then decided to lean into it and now acts like he did it on purpose, it's like... It's not, but it's like a hollow victory he gets to claim by being in on the joke. And I think there's some level of that with a lot of bad movie creators who like it's like it just sucks to fail. And like I we make fun of people a lot on this show and like, you know, we, we do kind of celebrate people's failures. But th- there's like some genuine joy to be had in, in the right kind of failure. And I think this is the other kind of failure that just stinks for everybody and is like a real bummer. Yeah. So I would guess that this director is like trying to not feel like an abject failure with probably the biggest amount of money he ever got to play with. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure, but that would be my guess if I was to, to make a guess. Yeah. Just watch ET. Yeah. That's what ET I say. Just like watch ET. Yeah. Well, of course it is, but like you could just watch the trailer for ET and probably get more out of it than you get oh, watching a hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. I do want to take a second here to do a quick shout out for a new Patreon supporter, Damien. Thank you for supporting the show on Patreon. We really appreciate that. It helps us keep bringing this show to you every other week. If you'd like to be like Damien, and you should want to be like Damien, find us at patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. We have a $2 tier. We have an $88 tier. Everything in between. So find the tier that works best for you if you can, and please support the show. And if you don't have the ability to kick in a few bucks, we get it. But what you can do then is review the show on iTunes. That's free, and it only takes about a minute. So what are you waiting for? Get on there, review the show, and we will read it on the air. If you want to find more information about us, dissect the 80s on Twitter, dissecting the 80s on Facebook, and we are dissectingthe80s.com. You can also get in touch by email with uh, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. Com. We will return on September. This is our anniversary episode, by the way. Happy anniversary. Oh, <laughs> happy anniversary. The traditional gift is fruit. So I brought you this Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, the modern is appliances, which is like a very weird gift, by the way. I just want to put out there for people who make such decisions. Like, it's well, kind of a weird like a, thing. Like a Keurig? Oh, I guess. But I was thinking more like, a, you know, a, an oven. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for listening to the show. We will be back to start season four on September 10th with Predator, which I could not be more excited to watch. I've never actually Me seen it. Too. We got a two governor film. We got Schwarzenegger. We got Carl Weathers. We got 
Jesse the Body Ventura, and we got a weird alien that was played by Jean-Claude Van Damme for one day. Cannot wait. Oh, Jean-Claude. Uh, don't forget to sign up for us on Patreon if you would like to get the Bag of Soup Sentinel. We sent out the first one last month. The next one will be out in just a couple days. So if you'd like to get involved in that, we do a little bit of writing. We tell you what the next uh, three episodes of the show are. And uh, just keep you around with uh, whatever's going on on the show. So don't forget to do that. Thanks again for listening. I've been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until September 10th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.